Alright, everything is working. Amazing. So, uh, it's very nice to have you here on the call. Um, nice to kind of get an, a rust fussing expert. Would you define yourself as that? Yeah, of course. Uh, I've heard the word superhero thrown uh, around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and my response to this is yeah, I'm the guy you see flying around. What <laughs> you don't see uh, is the people who made the rockets strapped to my back. Of course. And they deserve uh, quite as much credit as I do, if not more. Uh, but yeah, what you see uh, in Rust is like the easy to use tools. So, how did you start your Rust journey, and what led you to Rust, and why Rust, as a programming language? Yeah, so this started with fuzzing, actually. Oh, really? Uh, yes, uh, so in uh, 2014, the first uh, fuzzer of the modern generation came out, uh, American Fuzzle Op, or AFL. Yeah. It was the first uh, thing that was using uh, feedback, like execution feedback. Well, it's not the first thing that was using that, but it's the first thing that actually worked and was practical to use, uh, that used uh, execution feedback. And I was researching security at that point uh, as a hobby, and I came, like, just found AFL and uh, did the dumbest possible thing. Like, I took uh, the library. Uh, that was decoding uh, VP8, the video comic, yeah. uh, in one of the major open source browsers, and I just uh, fed it to AFL in the dumbest possible way to just see what would happen and get some experience with that. And to my great surprise, I have found a security bug. Oh. What did you find? Uh, it was a heap buffer overflow. Oh, wow. It was like that's kind of the textbook thing that is exploitable, especially in a browser context. And uh, I was like, I was rather shocked because this was the thing that uh, my machine was running. Yeah. And I just found a pretty serious exploit in uh, my own software stack, like the software that I use daily. I assumed to be reliable. So, I contacted uh, the developers of the library and they said, oh, uh, this is a known bug and we have fixed it in the next uh, release, but it's not API compatible uh, to the one you're running. And, like, uh -huh. the entire rest of the world is running the previous release that is vulnerable. Oh, shit. And the developers were like, okay, we don't have uh, the capacity, we don't have the manpower to maintain this, like the old release. And if, like, the, all the Linux distros uh, use an older release, that's their problem. Like, okay, fine, I understand this position, fair enough. So, would you at least uh, file a CVE for this block so that uh, 
people who are making the Linux distros, they would find out about this issue and they would patch it. Yeah. And the reply to that was, look, uh, if we file a CV for every such bug we fix, we'll never get any work done. Oh. Like, oh, oh my god, oh my god, this oh. is so broken, oh my god. So, then I went and security team. Yeah. And said, hey, uh, I have this sample, uh, it's triggering uh, this vulnerability, and it's actually affecting your distro, and it's fixed the next release, there's a patch. I got no reply. Yeah. I contacted them again a couple of weeks later, got no reply again. Uh, I have contacted uh, Red Hat security team. Yes. I got a reply from them. They said, oh, we're busy uh, handling CDs at this point. Same thing. And among the 
What can you find? Yeah. Basically written in somebody's spare time, but we're not like the thing that everybody relies on and everybody's already with you or something. Okay. Uh, among all those, uh, I have found zero security bugs. I was like, uh, hmm. might, there might be something to this rest thing. Yeah? That's basically how I got into Rust. I wrote a Reddit post uh, about uh, my research, my results, so that it wouldn't uh, just die in obscurity, so that somebody else uh, got, a, uh, got this information. And surprisingly, it uh, got a lot of attention. I think it was uh, in like the all-time top one subreddit for about a year or so. Yeah, I, I saw the post. It was on Medium, right? Uh, no, 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 that was on Reddit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I copied it to Medium because somebody in the comments said, hey, it's, it's a long thing, it's kind of awkward to uh, read on Reddit. I was like, okay, I can cross-post it somewhere. Where do you want it to be? And I said, okay, Medium. I'm like, okay, I'll go make a Medium. And it's also Medium now. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think... The, the right spot is on medium for the longer type of articles. It's really interesting what you're saying with the... Because I think a lot of like security researchers find the, the problems you're finding in that they find security bugs and then they patch uh, and then they report them. And then the maintainer doesn't have time or doesn't want to patch them. So they'll just... Uh, they just don't give a shit. I, I heard a story about the OpenB, uh, OpenBSD's uh, HTTP server that they were using engines, but they ran into similar problems where they were uh, constantly reporting security bugs to the engines team, but they never patched them, or it took a really long time to patch them. So they just said, fuck it, I'm gonna write my own thing, and then they just went along with it. I would be lying if I said that I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, uh... Would you say security is the main? Uh, obviously, it's the main thing that you use. Uh, that's why you're using Rust. But are you, are you coding a lot in your free time? Do do you like the syntax of Rust? And what do you think of Rust as as a programming language? So I think it's not just about security. And like security is not the be all and all of programming. It's just one of the considerations. Of course. And if you are building something that is only used internally and you only give it. Uh, trusted data, you don't really have to care all that much about security. Like, yeah, of course, a few years down the line, you're probably going to expose it to untrusted data anyway, and then it's going to add badly, but it's not your immediate. Like, just startup can go belly up way earlier than that. Yeah, yeah. But, so, the, the problem might never materialize. Yeah. But the other big, uh, like, there are two other things that Rust gets really right in my opinion, and one of that is performance because it it lets you write uh, code with. It's probably not right to say that performance is the selling point because C and C plus plus have that anyway. But perhaps performance can combine with the uh, ease of use. Uh, I would spend a whole lot more time learning C++, even despite uh, Rust's pretty steep learning curve. Yep. Like, it's steep, but it's the, the mountain you climb once, and then you stay on top. 
you just keep learning all the time, like increasingly obscure uh, corner cases. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that, the, the fact that I can write uh, code in Rust uh, fairly quickly and uh, have it perform well uh, is a big selling point. And the other one is reliability, of course, because encoding all these guarantees in the type system uh, lets you write more reliable programs. So you can statically declare what kind of behavior you want, and then the compiler just goes and verifies that. Uh, and th this gave rise to the meme of, uh, how did it go? Oh yeah, if it compiles, it works. Oh yeah, it's a bit like, bit like Haskell. It does a lot of... Uh... It, it it does a lot of checks before uh, before compiling it. Yeah, exactly. So the type system allows you to encode a lot of invariants and really make invalid states uh, inexpressible. Yeah. And that really speed like almost eliminates the debugging stuff. Yeah. So uh, you've been looking into AFL a lot. Uh, what do you think of the libfuzzer? So you don't have to trust me on this, uh, because Google uh, has created an experiment for comparison between fuzzers. Oh, okay. So, awesome. Uh, I don't remember what it's called exactly. Yeah, I don't remember. But basically Google has an experiment where they uh, run fuzzers through a bunch of test cases and see how much, uh, how much of the binary they actually explore. On a, in, within a given time. Yeah. Uh, if you're a re researcher, you can submit your own fuzzer and they will run it through the same test corpus for you. Oh, really? And, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, AFL uh, and libfuzzer and hotfuzz are pretty similar in those tests. Like, all current generation fuzzers come out pretty similar. Yeah. There's no really dramatic difference. What? Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, I cannot, like, if you really want to cover all your bases, you can just uh, fuzz your code with all three, why not? Yeah. Uh, but uh, one should be generally sufficient. I have seen instances where, uh, for example, home fuzz uh, discovered something that other fuzzers did not. Mm. Uh, but home fuzz doesn't have the minimization step. Uh, which I feel is very important. Otherwise, like if you don't minimize inputs, you end up with ever-growing inputs, and uh, fuzzing gets slower and slower as you go. Yeah. So yeah, I don't feel there's really a big difference between any adults. So just pick uh, whatever is easier to use for you. And uh, if you don't have prior experience with fuzzing, that's probably cargo fuzz. Yeah. Which uses a lead fuzzer backend. Like, that thing is so easy to use, I'm really impressed. Like, AFL was considered very easy to use when it came out, but Cargo Fuzz just raised the bar so much, like, AFL is so clunky by comparison. Yeah, absolutely, I, I think it's amazing what they've done with with Cargo Fuzz and the entire, uh, the, the, Rust sec, uh, the Rust sec team. Uh, that's not actually handled by the Rust sec. Uh, no, I mean, uh, uh, I, I mean the rough fuss. I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm. Uh, I'm confusing them. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
maintains the advisory database. Yeah, for uh, cargo audit. It's similar to CVE, but it's uh, RASSEC is uh, machine readable. Yes. So you can uh, run a uh, tool called cargo audit, and it will tell you if there are any known vulnerabilities uh, in the crates in your dependency tree. And uh, RustFuzz is the group that uh, maintains the fuzzers. Oh, and you're part of RustFuzz, or am I completely wrong on that? Uh, I am on the GitHub organization of RustFuzz, indeed. I did contribute a few pull requests uh, to awesome. FL and CargoFuzz. Awesome. But I cannot say that I really uh, worked on the tuning a lot. That is mostly other people. I just sent in a few pull requests. I choose my words carefully. Uh, I send out to make a work on things that don't require much effort, uh, but can uh, bring a lot of. Uh, can be very useful, so I can make a difference single-handed. That's that's awesome. Yeah, so I try to pick my battles, and so far it's working pretty well for me. Great, great. So when let's say you're 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 about to fuss a crate. How how do you do it? Like, what what's your thought process, and how do you kind of pick what crates to fuss? Is it just oh, okay? This this sounds uh, like a fun crate. I'm gonna see if I can find something. And wh what do you look for in the in the code base when you p uh, pick a function to fuss? Is it do you grep for like unsafe code, or how do you how do you do it? Uh, yeah. So unsafe code is uh, one consideration. Yeah. Uh, another consideration is uh, how popular is the crate. Okay. What does it do? Like, do, do I want to spend uh, my time fuzzing this crate, or should I spend my time fuzzing something with uh, 100 times the downloads? And if there is something comparable with 100 times the downloads, I should probably be fuzzing that, and not an obscure thing that few people use. Yeah, of course. Because so that's one thing. Another thing is that uh, for every function uh, you want to fuzz, uh, even in Rust, you have to write a tiny bit of glue code yep. uh, that takes the uh, input from the fuzzer, which is just a byte slice, and it transforms that to the correct uh, types and uh, calls the function. So it's not part, it's really boilerplate because all of those individual pieces are already there. Uh, so you already get like the other auto generates the template for you that you just have to fill in with the code that does transformation. There is uh, the crate called arbitrary that like, abstracts away uh, the generation of the like structured data uh, from random bytes. So you can just create your own structs. Uh, derive arbitrary and off you go. And then you have to invoke the function. Uh, that is basically it, but it's still boilerplate and it's still repetitive. So I try to look at things that are not, that don't have a big sprawling API that can be covered, reasonably covered with just a few functions for which I write the boilerplate. Uh, 
so the textbooks example of this is something like a PNG decoder. Yeah. Like a zip uh, decompressor because it does a fair bit of uh, parsing, like uh, getting lengths uh, from the input and so on. And it creates a lot of room for error. And in C, uh, this is where all the buffer overflows bugs are coming from. Uh, you can also get some interesting use of the freeze from this and see. In Rust, if you don't uh, dabble in unsafe code, you are safe from all that. Like, the worst thing you can get is a panic. Uh, so fuzzing something that can only panic is not very interesting. Uh, like, it's useful, and it's useful to remove panics, and you might also find some infinite loops, or perhaps out of memory conditions. You're not going to find any exploits next to Rust. So if there is uh, something with unsafe code and something without unsafe code, I go fast the thing that uh, has unsafe code because the failure modes in there are much more dramatic. Oh yeah. Yeah, I actually have been working uh, on a project on this side. Yeah. That would make fuzzing scalable, so that I wouldn't have to write the boilerplate manually. And uh, this is actually impossible in C because you don't get full type information and you don't uh, get any memory safety guarantees. But if you call the function with some input and it crashed, don't know what the problem is. Maybe like your input is wrong and the documentation says, oh, you only send in instances of this type and you should also have this invariant. But in Rust, all of this is encoded in a type system, and if you call a function and the binary stick falls, that's a security bug right there. Like, that's a memory safety error right there, which is most likely also a security bug. Yeah. So if we could auto-generate uh, the boilerplate, that would allow us, for example, to fuzz the entire standard library, which has hundreds of functions. Moreover, this is even more generic than that. Because as soon as we have a safe Rust interface to something, yeah. we can fuzz it. For example, we could fuzz the entirety of OpenSSL through the Rust bindings. Do you think... All we need is the Rust bindings, and now we can fuzz anything else. You, you, are you aware of the, the Google's uh, cluster fuzz? I am aware of... Cluster fuzz, yes. Do you think Google is working on something similar now when they have... Uh, yes. Yes, they are, but they are limited by uh, C. So oh, what yeah. they have been doing is uh, they have been uh, fuzzing Linux. Linux is called. Yeah, libc. They have been manually writing the boilerplate for every Cisco uh, to actually like, try to feed it interesting random random data. Uh, the problem is that there is a lot of syscalls, and uh, the syscalls are picky about which data is valid to feed them and which isn't. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, they have been doing that, but they don't have full coverage. It's been kind of slow going. Do you, th but, do you think they will get there, or...? Uh, sorry, couldn't hear you. Do you think they will get better at it, or...? Uh... Do you think? I don't think so, because like they, in C they have no choice but to do this work manually. There is no way around that. Yeah. 
house in Rust can actually auto-generate this. And I have a proof-of-concept implementation. It's actually not even written by me. But there, so there is a proof-of-concept implementation of this idea on GitHub, on the Rust Fuzz organization, okay. uh, called the uh, AutoFuzz Test. Auto so the idea is that as soon as you can uh, to generate the types in your library, basically derive arbitrary on them, uh, the tool can generate all the boilerplate for fuzzing every safe function in your crate. And this would allow us to fuzz OpenSSL, Rust standard library, oh, etc., wow. etc., without uh, writing a prohibitive amount of boilerplate. It's a proof of concept. It seems to work. Sadly, I don't have uh, the capacity to work on it uh, right now, but I think the idea is very promising. Yeah, it's, yeah, it looks looks very very promising. You were saying all safe functions. What about the unsafe functions? Uh, uns functions that are unsafe to call, like unsafe fn, are not covered by this because unsafe fn means there are uh, some additional invariants uh, you have to uphold that are not expressed in the type system that are not checked by the compiler. So we can, if we invoke an unsafe fn and the program crashes. We don't know if that's an issue in the program, or we just called it wrong. Oh yeah. We cannot just throw random input and expect it to work. Yeah, yeah, that's a valid point. Since uh, most of the code is uh, safe, there should be. We still get like ninety-five percent coverage, maybe. I haven't, I haven't done any math on how. I haven't done any research on how many functions are safe or unsafe. Did run a tool that's uh, supposed to count uh, how many lines of safe code and unsafe code you have. I just ran that on the entire Crate.io. Oh, wow. And uh, it turns out that 95% of all code on Crate.io is safe, and 5% is unsafe. That 5% includes things like uh, FFI bindings, which are like all unsafe all the way. Yeah. If you exclude the FFI bindings, the number is probably higher. The tool is not super precise, so take these numbers with a grain of salt, but it should be at least in the right ballpark. So like 1% to 10%, something like that. What's it called, the tool? I don't remember. Somebody forked Toki. Oh. It, uh, actually modified it to count safe and unsafe lines of code as well. Oh, okay. I think that's just somebody's personal talkie fork. I don't remember. But it's, I, it's on GitHub somewhere. Yeah, it's on GitHub somewhere. I have also posted this on Reddit. Uh, so that, yeah, as well as a graph of like how many crates have uh, a amount of unsafe code. So uh, the tool is linked in there in the comments. Yeah, so is, is there some, like, when you look at the various uh, code bases, is there some, like, common bad patterns that you see that you kind of facepalm yourself and you see? Is, is there, like, common bad patterns you see in, in Rust code that a lot of people use? And do you have some, like, best practices for people that are writing crates and writing Rust repositories? Like, what, what do you think is the most important thing to like keep in mind when you're when you have like a crate on crates.io that you maintain 
the most important thing that's it all order. Like, uh, I would take, like, I would like to take at least 15 minutes to think about and answer that question. Oh, okay. That's not something I am willing to advise on lightly. I can say that there, if there is a, a common pattern that I see, like common anti-pattern that I see, yeah. uh, I wouldn't actually talk to people about that because that's not really effective. What I would do is uh, go to the Clippy GitHub repository and open an issue and describe the pattern so that instead of me nagging people, it would be Clippy nagging people. That's smart. That's smart. Get the linting tool to to uh, to yell at them. That's good. Yeah, exactly, because the linting tool has much more hours in a day than I do. <laughs> and reaches a lot more people. So just, uh, if there was an anti-pattern, I would just uh, ask the clicky people to incorporate this, or perhaps uh, even code it myself. Yeah. I'm told that some of the, uh, some of the lens, like, some of the lens are yeah yeah absolutely I, th I think clip is a great thing if you're doing like enterprise rust and you have like a ci system just integrate clip to it is a is a great way yeah the tooling system around rust is very vibrant so there is actually a lot of uh, Easy to use chess you can put on CI. It could be uh, audit or I. Uh, there is a license checking tool as well that maybe Carbidenai also handles that. Um, there is, yeah, like I think uh, Cargo is really uh, amazing in more ways than one. Like it's a really great build system. Absolutely. Easy compared to the stuff that I had to deal with in C and C++. Like, I thought that uh, all build systems are bound to cause pain and suffering, and then Cargo came about. <laughs> and then you see the light. Now I see the light, like, now I see that it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. I'm never ever touching anything that uses auto tools ever again. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, auto tools is a history of itself. You can. Uh, it could be a bit of a pain in the ass that one, and the entire make system is uh, takes the time to learn that. But I, I think yeah, what Corgo and the team behind Rust is doing is great, and that it it will actually like just the small things like when you. It will actually suggest better code improvement for your code and stuff like that. It's just. Uh, it's just really, really nice. Yeah, so Cargo is not just a great build system, it's also a force multiplier for tooling, because tooling can expect certain structure of the build system now, and uh, you can uh, do also, like, and this makes using the tooling very easy, like you uh, run uh, Cargo Fuzz in it, and it like, generates all the boilerplate for you, and you just type in the few lines of code that take the input from the fuzzer, call your function. Take the fuzzer out, done, you're done, that's it. There's really nothing else to it. Yeah. Uh, or like, uh, Cargo Audit, Cargo uh, Gager, uh, those things, you just open your project and run that, and that's it. You don't have to do anything, but it just works. 
Yeah. And, uh, the integration, like the fact that our cargo is a build system and the package manager in one is also fairly unusual and it also opens some very interesting possibilities. Uh, for example, a cargo, when it's built in a binary, now knows which crates exactly and which versions of those crates exactly. Yeah, and it's into the build. And it, yeah, and it will go and download those for you and take care of all that for you, which is really, really yeah. nice. Yeah, and th that's great, but th th this is not where, th it doesn't end there, like, this is one of the obvious things. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to call, like, uh, NPM something and then build something and then it breaks somewhere in between. It, because they couldn't talk to each other, that's amazing. But I'm now so spoiled, they just take that for granted. Thanks you, Cargo. Uh, but I, I'm trying to think about other things you can do. And, uh, for example, you could uh, embed the list of the crates that went into the build into the compiled binary. And uh, this way, uh, you could later audit your binary for vulnerabilities. You don't have to... Like, the problem with... Uh, Pulling out security patches yeah. is that you have to, like, when there is uh, like a vulnerability discovered in OpenSSL, for example, you have to replace every single instance of OpenSSL you used anywhere. Yes. On that, I don't know, virtual machine that somebody spun up in your organization three years ago and forgot about it. Or if you have anything statically linked into your binary, you have to rebuild every single binary. OpenSSL is statically linked. And right now, there is no way to check uh, what libraries went into any static build. Rust actually builds binaries statically by default. So we'll just link all the libraries into the binary, and then all of the trailers lost it. You, you don't know what's happening inside it. Yeah. Is it horribly vulnerable or not? Do you have to rebuild it or not? And since you don't know, well, you really tend to ignore the problem because you have better things to do with your time. And just constantly running security patches. Yeah, yeah. I, but, I, I think a lot of people or like a lot of organization has that problem where they have this black magic compiled blob of code that just does something and no one maintains any longer because the guy got fired who built it or something like that it was built by a contractor exactly exactly <laughs> it was hard to maintain exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah but uh, if we could embed uh, the information about oh, which libraries are used and which versions of the those libraries are used in a specific binary, now you can uh, check for those issues in your like, continuous deployment system, and it will tell you, oh hey, this binary over there is vulnerable, and uh, you should uh, rebuild it with newer versions. Or even better, uh, your cloud provider could do it for you, because it could be just standardized across all Rust ecosystem, and if we can make this the default in cargo, then all the binaries will have this information attached by default. And now there is even no need to maintain any custom infrastructure. You just get it for free from cargo, and then you get it 
almost free from like your cloud provider or something, uh, or just deploy your own uh, city CI with like regular tooling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you could implement that into a build system, that that would be real, real nice. That's also a thing I have a prototype of. I have actually opened an RFC uh, for Cargo uh, to implement that. And the Cargo team is nice. close to that. But the tricky bit here is designing the uh, format uh, of this information. Like, how exactly oh, do you record uh, which uh, crates and which versions of those crates and into this binary. Uh, because uh, the cargo log uh, format which lists that yeah. is not stable. So you cannot just uh, like embed cargo log and forget about it. You have to come up with some format that is more future-proof, that is versioned or something. You also want to be able to parse it quickly. Yeah. And, uh, Format doesn't have, should be not too complicated uh, because if it requires a complicated parser, uh, then it's like risking security issues in that parser. Yeah, yeah. If you have a lot of complexity and you want it to go fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a few considerations. And uh, so far, nobody has been. Uh, on that, but I'm really fond of that idea. Like, I think it would be uh, a tremendous improvement on the search book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be really, really cool if they can solve that and get it into the binary. Mm. So, like, I understand that uh, the cargo team is uh, still largely volunteers and they uh, have a lot on their plate as is, and they have been like. Uh, major strides in cargo. So, like, I understand why they're working on other things and not this. Like, that's totally justified. But I still want to see this happen as well. I just didn't have the capacity to work on everything at once. So, like, if uh, somebody listening to this wants to have a, like, a fun and high-impact project, well, there's an idea. Absolutely. Go crazy. So, do you have any any other fun pro or do you have any other fun project regarding to fuzzing that you're working on? Uh, so, I think the autofuzz test, the one that would generate boilerplate for you, is the main one. Yeah. And it pushed everything else to the background because this, this is like the most high impact thing. Uh, if, if I get, get this done, this the amount of improvement it gets is much more than anything else I could be working on. But I don't get around to working on it anyway. Uh, so another one is also something I haven't worked on because there is only so many hours in the day. Yeah. It looks very promising. Uh, is a fuzzer called Angora. Angora. And, uh, mm -hmm. It is actually written in Rust. Uh, it cannot fast burst yet. So the, they use a different, uh, different and novel approach to uh, getting the information on what path, uh, uh, execution path within the binary was taken. So they use okay. a different kind of fuzzing instrumentation. They report results dramatically better than the current generation. If 
Is it a new project? But it does look very promising. Is it a new project? Or yes, it is fairly new. I think it's about a year old, maybe a bit more. Okay. It is fairly young. I didn't have. I didn't see it being used a lot. I didn't get a lot of publicity. But if the results in their paper are to be believed, then this is. Found any buffer overflows or uh, stack overflow? Had they found any serious bugs yet? Uh, so in the paper they claim that uh, there is a corpus of bugs that so there's a corpus of programs. I think somebody took GNU uh, or some such. Okay. They rebuilt, injected uh, a bunch of bugs that are supposed to resemble. Uh, Real-world mistakes. Oh, alright. Buffer overflows, use after freeze, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's what you'd expect in a binary parser. Yeah. And uh, I haven't verified that, but the Angora paper states that FL and that generation finds about one third of the bugs. Angora found all the bugs and then some. Oh. It actually found. Some bugs that were not deliberately injected, but they have been <laughs> there all along. Oh. oh. Do you know what kind of bugs they were, or? I think buffer overflows or some such. All right. Uh, I have read that paper over a year ago, and like, don't take my word on it. Go read it. Yep. And then, like, try and go and see if it actually works. Like, I'm really curious. And the, the interesting part is. Uh, when AFL came out, it represented a new way uh, to find vulnerabilities cheaply, and since it wasn't used very widely yet, uh, it was very easy to find new bugs, because nobody has applied this new technique to all the common code we use. Yep. Uh, so, with Angora, if it really is as good as the authors claim, uh, there is going to be the same thing. Like it's going to find even more bugs that were previously not discoverable. So if you want to hmm. claim some hyperfile CVEs to your name, like take Angora and feed it some widely used libraries, you're probably going to find something. Just the, the trick is to find a library which wasn't used with Angora yet, which wasn't fast with Angora. Yeah. If you manage that, you're likely going to find some interesting. Yeah, totally. I think it's just amazing what some people are are finding with these fuzzers. I, I was we I was writing an article. I think it was a month ago, and it was some some guy that found what was it? It was some Android uh, library that was handling uh, like GIF files for MMS. And, and like the result of just fussing was that he was able to like achieve a remote code execution just by sending an MMS to a to a smartphone with uh, running Android, and that's like 
that's pretty crazy. Like the the types of bug you can uh, bugs you can find when uh, when fussing. That's like completely typical. I mean, something like a image decoder is the poster child for memory safety issues. <laughs> and the fuzzer yeah. is literally like the current generation of fuzzers is literally designed for fuzzing this kind of thing. That's what yeah. the film was literally designed to test it for. Uh, so yeah, I'm completely not surprised. Uh, I probably lied actually when I said that I don't have any interesting targets in situ fuzz because. I have found that a commonly used piece of software yeah. is actually using like GIF for uh, GIF decoding. It hand draws it hand draws its own decoder in C. Oh, okay. It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I bet nobody has fussed this thing yet. Oh. In my preliminary results, like I haven't even dug into it much. But yeah, I do have some inputs that's... Oh, yeah, yeah, I could... A bit like create your own crypto, the uh, create your own cryptography meme that went uh, very big a couple of years ago where where, where some uh, uh, people just created their own crypt... Uh, they created their own cipher and it just went to shit because they you shouldn't create your own uh, cipher unless you do, uh, know what you're doing. Seems a bit of the same here that... Even if it sounds fun to create your own things, maybe you should use use what's all right. So, is there any like crates that you have analyzed and you found like nothing, and you you like this is too good? I I cannot possibly find anything. I did. Uh, was a crate where I didn't find anything, uh, and a crate I had like twenty blocks of unsafe code. Oh. Something like 3,000 lines. Oh. I didn't find anything. I was like, this cannot possibly be true. I think we got cut off there. Let me try this. Oh, now now it's working. Yeah, the audio got cut off. Oh, okay. Sorry, you, you were saying you found absolutely nothing in the crate? Yeah, so there was one uh, crate that was decoding uh, an audio codec uh, and had something like 20 unsafe blocks yeah for 3000 lines of code i was like no that, that, that cannot possibly be true like the fact that i ha couldn't find any bugs in there cannot mean that there aren't any bugs like i do not believe that there are no bugs in this thing okay it must mean that my tooling is not good enough i'm Unable to trigger those bugs, or I'm unable to notice that something wrong is like something actually going wrong. Yeah. So, I don't believe that the code is that. It doesn't happen. Yeah. So I looked at what kind of unsafe code was there. Yes. And what they were doing were calling a vector dot setlen, which uh, changes the length of the vector. Okay. Declaring the length of the vector without actually initializing anything. So. Uh, okay. May expose uh, contents of uninitialized memory in a way that is readable. Oh, oh or, or yeah, a bunch of issues like that. There were a bunch of uh, unsafe blocks that were doing things like that. One was using mem uninitialized, which were using vectors at len. Yeah. And I was like, okay, uh, why cannot I see any buzzers here? says that this thing, like this line of code, should be covered by the 
impulse generated by the fuzzer. But why am I not seeing any fireworks from Why is nothing exploding? Yeah. It turns out that to detect these kind of issues, you need specialized tooling. So if you okay. use something like cargo fuzz, yep. the right also enables uh, something called address sanitizer, yep. which finds most memory issues. Yep. Like buffer overflows, use after freeze, other more obscure stuff. Uh, address sanitizer has you covered. Yep. The only thing it does not detect is just of uninitialized memory. Hmm. Which is exactly what this uh, library was mostly doing. Like it's supposed, it was actually around with initialized memory. Like, okay. okay. Sure. So, I don't believe that there are no bugs up here. Currently, my tooling is not good enough. Indeed, address sanitizer uh, does not detect this kind of issues. But what does? There's another tool called memory sanitizer. Yep. That does. But, mm. The problem was, uh, back then, uh, when there was no documentation on using it with Rust, and the naive ways it tried to use it, uh, didn't work. It would just set fault immediately, no matter what. Hmm. So I thought about it, and okay, memory sanitizer is complicated, I do not understand it, uh, getting it to work will require like messing with LVM, I do not to go there. I do not want to go there. Okay. What can I do to detect these kind of issues that does not require doing that is that complicated? Okay, yeah. So, NFL also ships with a debug memory allocator that is a drop-in replacement for uh, the system allocator. Mm. Type like LT preload, passes uh, allocator, then your binary, yep. and it automatically loads this custom allocator. Okay. Does yep. a bunch of checks by default, like like a poor man's memory sanitizer. So I patched, I took that, I removed all the validation they had in place. Okay. I patched it uh, to uh, fill every memory allocation with some data, like with a counter. So the first allocation goes like zero 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 zero, second one 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 one, uh, third two 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 two, and so on. Yeah. And I made a fuzzing harness uh, that encoded the audio stream, the same audio stream, twice. The same process. Okay. We compared the output. Yeah. And if the outputs, like the decoder is deterministic, if you decode the same audio twice, it should result in the same thing. Yes. The same identical output. But if I'm saying, seeing different outputs, Mm-hmm. Then there must be contents of uninitialized memory leaking into the output. So I wrote that and left it to run overnight and went to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, it did found cases where the decoding the same thing uh, returned different results. Awesome. It turned out that I have indeed found Instances of reads of initialized memory nice. and contents of initialized memory leaking into the output. Very, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, so I have published the tool, like polished the tool a bit and published it, and it's called Liptifuzz. But 
think about a week ago, I actually opened a pull request uh, for uh, cargo files uh, that made uh, using memory sanitizer easy. So, uh, so since I did that yeah. like a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, memory sanitizer for Rust got improved a lot. Yes. And the last week a uh, pull request was merged. Nice. Not last week, maybe a few weeks ago, I don't remember. Yeah. Recently, a pull request was merged uh, where you can just uh, run cargo files and instead of the default sanitizer, just say I want memory sanitizer, like as memory on the command line. It does mm. all the heavy lifting for you. It just makes it memory sanitizer just work. That's awesome. So if you run the latest, so if you run the latest cargo fast version, you should be able to do that. Yes. So you just install the latest cargo fast. Yeah. And, uh, instead of just uh, the sanitizer memory parameter, and boom, you have memory sanitizer memory. It works. Wow, that's really nice. The only trick is that you might. If you are explicitly linking a C code into your binary, you might have to compile that with Clang. Oh. And you might have to uh, give it some extra flags so that memory sanitizer is enabled in the C code as well. Otherwise, you may get false positives. Yeah. But if you're using something that's pure Rust, it just works. I'm really proud of that pull request. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds re really, really nice. Do you know if anyone have, has found any bugs using that? And has it gotten any good feedback so far? Uh, so memory sanitizer in general, yes, it's like a well-known tool. It's fairly commonly used in C and C++. Yeah. It's fairly new to Rust. I'm not aware of anyone finding bugs with that yet. I'm not sure why that is. Hmm. Maybe I just didn't hear about that. But like the fuzzing trophy case doesn't. It reports which fuzzer you used, but not which sanitizer. Oh, yeah. So, the, yeah, but since the memory sanitizer is fairly new and relatively obscure, it's possible that uh, simply few people have tried it. Which means that if you want to find some new and interesting bugs, uh, find some crates that use Memani, like Memanitialized, should not even compile in the dangerous case anymore. No, there are still cases where it compiles and can fail spectacularly. So if you see Meminitialized in the crates, or maybe an init, yeah. or a vector set lem, uh, try fuzzing it with memory sanitizer. And it's likely that you're going to find some new and interesting bugs because nobody has fuzzed it with memory sanitizer yet. Yeah, that's that, that's another great tip. So vector set length is that supported in 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 regular safe Rust or is it only for unsafe Rust? It's only for unsafe. That's unsafe Oh yeah. Got it. We covered a lot of ground here today. I think maybe we should head towards an ending. So for everyone that's that's coding in Rust or just started in Rust, you would totally recommend them to faster code, right? Okay. All you have is a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. And uh, I had some 
really good results with others so far. Yeah. And it's possible that I'm over-eager in using them, so you shouldn't listen to me alone. But yes, if you're uh, dealing with something that something that involves uh, parsing untrusted input, you definitely uh, should pause your program. Like there is no excuse. It's it's really very simple, and it will get you fifteen minutes. Take you fifteen minutes to get started. It's it's easy. It's fun. It's gonna give you a whole. Yeah, Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. With the yeah, you should actually you that listening to this, you should absolutely check out Cargo Fuzz and try it out. Give it a spin. So, any closing remarks? Oh, I could be talking about this all day. All day. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I can think of anything. I think we did cover a lot of ground. Yes, uh, I, I want to encourage people to. Not just use fuzzing, but like think creatively about problems and clear battles. Like think, how can they uh, get a lot of impact, a lot of useful results with a relatively small investment of resources? And uh, fuzzing 
the sponsor streak. But doesn't mean its existence doesn't mean that you should stop thinking about creative ways to apply your time that keep you out of return on investment. I think is one. I think what else you can do that can be a force multiplier. Absolutely. Think outside the box, that's always always good to have different viewpoints on things. So what so you were talking about the auto test and you have some other cool projects going on. So for people that are interested, where do they, they follow your research? Is it on GitHub? Well, I'll follow my research, that's like a <laughs> way to put it. Uh, I feel like, I feel important now. Uh, yeah, so Autofast Test is on GitHub, it's on the Rust Buzz organization. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the proof concept for the version information embedding in compiled binaries for Cargo uh, there is a proof of concept on uh, iGitHub. I think it's called Rust Audit. Yeah, Rust Audit on yeah. personal GitHub. Uh, that's another thing. And uh, what else did I mention? Angora. Angora, you'll have to just Google. It's also on GitHub. Um, yeah, just uh, Rust Files should be a nice starting point, actually. Absolutely, absolutely. Whenever I do something that I think is worthwhile, uh, I generally post it on Reddit. And it seems to be the most in the in the Rust one. subreddit, right? Yeah, in the Rust subreddit, uh, it seems to have a much uh, wider audience that other platforms interact with. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, Rust really. Uh, so I generally uh, post there when I do something I think is notable. I want other people. Uh, you know about it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's it, I think. Alright, so thank you so much for uh, hopping on this call and uh, I hope... Uh, yeah, thank you. So the audio, something's happening with the audio right now, but... Alright, I personally and I think a lot of other people are looking forward to reading new bugs and also to find a lot of interesting stuff with, uh, with fussing in Rust.